It is great uh, to uh, be with you after post-Thanksgiving, and uh, hopefully the uh, tryptophan and the uh, turkey has weared off on you, and you are not in food coma anymore. Uh, it was great for Son and I to be with my mom and dad out in the Inland Empire. My mom and dad have actually transitioned out to the uh, Inland Empire region, and uh, ever since her uh, open-heart surgery, uh, they've been transitioning out there just for distance sake, uh, but it was special to be with them. Uh, to be uh, with our two sons, our oldest one's in college now, and it was just great to see him. We don't see him as much anymore, but it's always a joy to see him and uh, to also be with our youngest son. And then we also had our oldest son's uh, girlfriend's family out for the first time during a holiday. Woo-hoo-hoo, meet the parents. <laughs> and that was encouraging. It was just a, it was a great time. Uh, Nicholas's girlfriend, her name is Shelly. She's a disciple down there in the Orange County region. They've been dating now for a couple of years, and uh, Shelly's birthday is uh, around Thanksgiving. So around the dinner table, we actually just had a time where each of us got to share about her and what we're thankful for. And it was really special to even see my mom and dad share about Shelly, and Shelly's mom share, and even, even Christopher shared, short and sweet. It was, it was nice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I hope... I hope you had a great uh, time of Thanksgiving with family and friends and that you got an opportunity to express your gratefulness. I, I hope you weren't grumpy on Thanksgiving Day, but I hope, I hope you gave and decided to give and not, not be a Martha, but be a Mary uh, during the Thanksgiving time. You know, it's appropriate. It's amazing. Uh, we're, we're winding down 2010. It's coming to a close. Uh, Black Friday has already passed. And uh, Christmas shopping has uh, been fully engaged already. And uh, this last month, we're going to be talking about joy, the transforming power of joy, joy for our lives. So today's lesson is simply entitled, How to Stay Joyful No Matter What. How to Stay Joyful No Matter What. How many of you are going through some type of stress or problem in life? Could be a health issue. Could be financial, could be relational, stress in the workplace, you don't like some of your coworkers, maybe you're even struggling with sin. Okay, some of you, you're raising your hands at different, different points. If you didn't raise your hand, then you're, you're not breathing, you're not, you're not uh, you don't have a pulse. Because all of these things, when, when stress or challenges come into our life, whether it be relational, whether it be financial, uh, whether it be health issues, whether it be even in our workplace or school, the pressures, the stress, these things can rob our joy. They can discourage us and take the joy away from our lives. Uh, a week or so ago, I was discouraged. I was just in the car talking to Son. I said, yeah, I just feel a little discouraged. I feel a little down. Just don't feel like it's, it's, I just feel discouraged, not, not really encouraged right now. And Son simply said from the passenger seat, honey, you just need to realize how blessed you are. And she started just going down an inventory list. You know, you've got to be grateful for your boys. Okay, yeah. You've got to be, gotta be grateful for the church. I need, a, I need a mirror in my pocket. Okay? Yep. I need to be grateful for the church, and I am. I need to be grateful for the friends I have in my life. Yes, I'm grateful for the friends I have in my life. And then you need to be grateful for me. I said, yes, sure, you're the icing on the cake. 
near the icing on the cake. And after she helped me, honestly, just to go through that Rolodex and inventory, I go, you know what? You're right. I'm no longer discouraged. I'm depressingly encouraged right now. But sometimes we have to go through an inventory in our lives and realize how blessed we are. Each and every one of us, guaranteed, if, if you just took inventory of what you've got in your life and what God has done for you, you, you should be on cloud nine because of what God has done in your life. And life is a series of us handling the ups and downs in life. We don't have a problem-free life, and we never will. But God expects us to learn how to be joyful in Him even during the ups and the down times. He expects us to learn in the middle of grief, in the middle of problems, in the middle of stress or pressures in our lives. God expects us to learn to be joyful in Him. I love what it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 in the New Living Translation. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Gratefulness and joy have everything to do with the healthiness of our faith in God. I want you to circle that phrase, whatever happens. Whatever happens in your life, whatever happens, good times or bad times, rejoice in the Lord. Be happy. Be grateful in Him. Not in the circumstance, but be grateful and rejoice in Him. It's going to safeguard your faith. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4.4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And then he wanted to say it again to us. Again, I say rejoice. God wants us to experience joy in our life, a sustained joy, a joy that will help us get through the tough times in life and help us to appreciate the good times in life. When we want to talk about joy, the best book I can think about is the book of Philippians. Philippians is a short book. It's only got four chapters in it, but it's all about joy and how joy is the basis. Joy in God will help us to get through the good times and help us to get through the bad times. In fact, in the four chapters, Paul uses that word rejoice or joy more than 12 times in that book. It's all about joy. And things weren't going, quote-unquote, well for Paul during that time. He wasn't on a vacation while he wrote this book. He was in prison in Rome. He was chained to guards 24 hours a day, no privacy, and he was awaiting execution. In those kind of circumstances, we may not be thinking about joy at that time. And yet Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, exuding joy in the Lord. He had some kind of secret. There was something different about Paul that allowed him to experience a joy even during challenging times. How did he do it? If we're going to stay joyful and learn to be joyful, no matter what, number one, I need a perspective to live from. We need perspective in our lives as people. If we're going to be joyful, we've got to have perspective. Joyful people have perspective. They see the big picture. It's not just about the here and now. 
It's not just about what you're living for today and what you just are involved in here and now. But joyful people learn to see the big picture, the panoramic view of what God has in mind. And that's the reason why you and I get frustrated or confused at different times in our life. It's because we don't see the big picture. We get caught up in the here and now circumstance or the problem or the challenge or the illness. And we get consumed about what's happening now in our lives rather than being grounded in the big picture of what God has in mind for us. And we don't see it. We just see the here and now. You know, several weeks ago, Son and I saw the, the new version of Karate Kid. And I've seen the old one. I like the old one. But you know, Karate Kid, I love the story. And the two movies are a little bit different, but the storyline's the same. Young kid gets beat up. Gets trained. And during the movie, you know, you're gripped with the emotions. You want to fight back too. You want to kick a little booty too. <laughs> and the young boy gets trained. He's learning, you know, he's a real diehard. He's the, uh, the uh, you know what I mean. And then at the end, there's a sense of peace. At least for me when I saw the second movie. Because I knew how it was going to end. I totally knew how it was going to end. He was going to beat the other guy. Because I saw the first movie. <laughs> and that, that, so many ways, is, is like our lives. We, 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 we're, we're caught into the emotion of our lives. We're caught into the challenge or the problems or the situations. But you've got to understand, God sees the big picture. He, he knows the ending chapter. He's going to win. He's going to help us get to heaven. Everything's going to be okay in the very end. He's going to win the battle. He's going to win the war. And if we stay faithful with Him, then we're going to be there with Him too. We know the ending chapter. And we don't have to stress. We don't have to, 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 to be uh, frustrated or confused or, or faithless. Because we know the big picture. You're like that karate kid. And God will win in the very end. And see, Paul had this perspective in his Christian life. He had this perspective. He was a Jew who converted to Christianity, and now he was thrown into jail because of Christianity, because of Jesus. And he was awaiting execution, and yet he wasn't depressed about his here and now circumstance. He was full of joy. He was full of joy that I believe all of us want to learn how to sustain in our lives. He had it because he had perspective. He knew where he was going. He knew that even death could not hold him back. He knew that even what man did to him would not hold him back from being right with God and that he would see the reward. I love what he says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. He simply says as he's in prison, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. Wow, you think, Paul, you're in prison. How is this helping, helping to spread the good news? 
And this was Paul's idea. Because if there was any man in the world that loved God and wanted people to know about the good news, it was Paul. He absolutely wanted to spread the gospel throughout the whole world so everyone could get a chance to know Jesus Christ. And his idea was, I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to go to the Colosseum, and I'm going to preach the word. That's, that was Paul's idea. And yet God had a different idea. God's idea was, Paul, you're going to go to Rome, but you're not going to go preach there. I'm going to send you to jail. I'm going to send you to jail. You're going to, you're going to live in jail. You're going to be a prisoner to Caesar. And you're going to be subjected to him. You know, sometimes what we plan or desire does not work out in our lives. God has a different plan for us. He does. And I know we have many dreams and many hopes of what our lives should be like or what we want it to look like. And yet God has a different plan for you. And if you walk in faith and you walk in step with him and trust in him, then your life will be a lot more joyful. Here Paul was set in prison. How did that spread the gospel? Well, it's interesting. You'll even read in, in Philippians chapter 4 that it appears that some of Caesar's household became disciples of Christ. And that's an interesting thing. You know, there's some scholars that have uh, suggested that when Paul was in prison, the way they would treat prisoners is that they would change guards every four hours. They would chain the prisoner to another guard. And so you think of Paul, and he was in prison for over two years, every four hours. That's like over 4,000 guards. And you can imagine Paul being chained to different people at different times. And can you picture Paul being chained to one of the Roman guards? Hey, have you heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you heard about him? He had a captive audience. They were right there. And this is how the gospel got spread. Paul, God put Paul in a situation that wasn't a woe is me type of situation, Paul took the opportunity of his circumstance and used it to the glory of God. And that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ got spread around the world. is because of what God allowed Paul to be in. And see, Paul took advantage. He took advantage of the opportunity that God has. It's all about perspective. It's all about Perspective. You know, as we all get older and we start living this, this life, what's called life, we're going to have problems and we're going to have challenges. Some of us are going to go through illness. Some of us are going to go through financial challenges even more. Some of us are going to be continuing to struggle and fight against sin. But it's how you look at what you've got in God that's going to make a total difference of how joyful you go through it. You know, I appreciate the Goldbergs. Even in the hospital when Jack's there, they just continue sharing their faith. I appreciate that. Because you never know who's going to be open. But God calls us to keep scattering the seed. And he'll call the right people. I appreciate Sydney Johnson and what she's going through and her, her illness. And yet Sydney's spirit is, con- is a continual higher call for all of us because of her joy and her love for God. And I think, brothers and sisters, as we get older, we're all going to get older. And we're not going to all pass away in, in our sleep. There may be challenges 
before us in our future and that we realize it could be illness, it could be an accident, it could be tragedy, it could be whatever it may be. But Paul says in Philippians, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in God. Can you say that? Whatever happens in your life, I'm going to rejoice in God because of my faith and my relationship with Him. It's all about perspective. I love what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. This verse doesn't say everything is good in life because everything in life is not necessarily good. When someone gets leukemia, I don't think that's good. When someone gets raped in this world, I don't think that's good. When someone is killed by a drunk driver, that's not good. When someone gets cancer, that's not good. When there's an accident, when there's tragedy, that's not good. And God is not the author of evil. He is not the author of sin in our lives. God does not cause evil in this world. So we cannot blame God for what evil goes on. But what the Bible says to us is that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. Have you ever eaten a spoonful of butter? (laughs) Peanut butter, maybe, yes. Have you ever eaten a spoonful of dry flour? How about a spoonful of sugar? I won't sing that song right now. Yeah, but, you know, if you've ever eaten those things individually, it's awful. They taste awful. But when you put them together, it's a cake. So what's my point? That's my point. Is that if you if you eat these things on an individual level, they're awful. They don't taste good. But when you work them together, it's a cake. You know what God is doing in your life? He's making a cake. He is making a cake in your life. And you cannot get bogged down by individual events that happen in your life. They may taste bad on their own, but you've got to have perspective that what God is doing in your life and the whole duration of your lifetime, whether it be a tragedy, whether it be an illness, whether it be an abuse, whether it be a hurtful event in your life, God is making a cake. Then in his perspective will bring the good to the glory of God. And so if you want to stay joyful and learn to be joyful no matter what, number one, you need a perspective to live from. You need to ask God to give give you his perspective. Don't get bogged down by the here and now. Appreciate what you have. Be grateful for what you have. But get the perspective from God. Amen? Amen. Lastly, If you're going to learn to be joyful no matter what, I need a purpose to live for. 
I think the greatest tragedy in life is to go through life never understanding why you're here on earth. That's the greatest tragedy. Is when people don't discover why are they really born, why are they here, what are they supposed to do for in life. And there's a lot of people who are living for temporary purposes in this world. They're just surviving. They're just living. But they're not really living because they're not really living for God. And I love what Paul was like. He had purpose. I mean, here was a man in prison. He was old. He was waiting execution. They'd taken his privacy, everything, literally away from him. This was the Apostle Paul. They took his freedom away. They took his ministry away. They took away his friends. But the one thing they couldn't take away from Paul was his purpose and his relationship with God. They couldn't take that away from him. They couldn't take away. And that was his purpose for living. And when you discover what your purpose in life is for here on earth, no one can ever take that away from you. No matter what happens in your life. When you finally discover that you were created by God to worship Him, to be His friend, to be with Him for all of eternity, no one can ever take that away from you, no matter whatever they do to you. That is something you can possess for the rest of your earthly life. Because you have the greatest purpose. You have the greatest purpose in life. I like what Paul said in Philippians 1 verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For him, to live was Christ. And if he were to die, that's gain. Paul was simply saying, I win if I die. And I win if I live. Either way, I win. I'd rather go with Christ and be with him. But I know that God has me here on earth for a time, for a purpose. So that more people can be one for Jesus Christ. And that was his purpose. And he understood it. He had the right perspective. He had the right purpose in life. And that's what drove him to be what he is today. Full of passion and full of zeal. Not only did Paul have a purpose for living, but he had a purpose for dying. Either way, he was going to win. How do you discourage a guy like that? You can't. You can't discourage a guy like that. No matter what, Paul was shipwrecked, he was thrown in prison, he was flogged, he was stoned, he was in danger of bandits, in danger of his countrymen, in danger of rivers. I mean, you can't discourage a guy who's grounded in God. You can't discourage him long term because he bounces back with God. He finds his strength and power in God. You know why people are afraid to die? The reason why they're afraid to die is because they've never made a friendship with God. A lot of people are afraid to die in this world today because they don't know what's going to happen on the other side. They're not sure. They're not confident. And so people are consequently afraid to die because they're a stranger. God is a stranger. And can you imagine, I mean, going through an illness without any kind of God or with any kind of hope? 
going through a divorce without God, going through tragedy without God, who are you going to rely on? Who are you going to depend on? Where will you get your power from? Where is your power source coming from? Paul says it's from God. But when we live with a perspective and a purpose in God, then we don't have to be afraid to die. We don't have to be afraid to leave this world one day. But we can be glorified in God and be grateful for what God has given us. And it's gain. As Paul said, it's gain. It's gain for him to die because then he would be with God. But while he's here on earth, he's going to do all that he can to make a difference in this world. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26 in the Living Bible. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. This was his attitude in life. He realized that every day that was given to him by God was another reason to live for Christ and to do what he could to make a difference in this world. How would you finish that sentence for yourself? If you evaluated your life, how would you finish it? What would you say? For to me, to live is blank. What would you put in there? What word would you put in there to describe the way you're living your life for the Lord? Would you say that to live, for, for to me, to live is work? Is that what you're living for in life right now? Is work where your heart is and where your passion and your mind and your energy and is that your greatest joy is your work? What about making money? Is that your purpose in life? Is that what you're dedicating your heart to the most is making money? Or possessions, acquiring possessions. Be careful there because next year those possessions will be sold in a yard sale for special missions contribution. (laughs) Is it your career? Is it your education? Is it your, uh, is it a relationship? It's all those things. Are you living for sin? Is that what you're living for? Is that what you would include in that blank statement there? None of these things that I've mentioned work, relationships, career, money, none of those things will ever save you or ever save me. Those have no salvation qualities whatsoever. The only one who will save us and keep us saved is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. And can you honestly say, for to me, to live is Christ? Can you honestly say that? It should be and it needs to be that. I'm grateful that we've got a couple people getting baptized today because they see that their priority and their strength and their purpose is to follow Jesus Christ the rest of their life. A few weeks ago, uh, we had a new brother, Sylvester Morales. He got baptized uh, a few weeks ago, and that's Frida's uh, father. Frida's in our teen ministry. Today, Frida's mom, Ramira, is getting baptized. So where is Ramira? Is she here? Is she here? Where is she? There she is there. Fantastic. And also this afternoon, we have one of our 
young teen men getting baptized. And uh, very, very um, just encouraged and impressed with our teen ministry and uh, the young hearts that we have in our midst. And just being able to uh, uh, be involved in some of the teen uh, studies here at the very end and just seeing the convictions of uh, these young men is, is, is very, very impressive and encouraging. But I know it's especially encouraging for the Gonzalez family because their, uh, their other son, Roy Gonzalez, is going to get baptized this afternoon too. Where's Roy? There he is. Amen. So that's going to be taking place after church. Uh, Reuben, is that at the beach? What time? 12.30. Okay, so I'm going to finish up this lesson right now. <laughs> End of Culver. We need purpose. We need purpose. Amen, brothers and sisters? We need purpose. So if we're going to learn to be joyful, number one, we need perspective. Have perspective in your life. Don't get bogged down by the here and now. And secondly, if you're going to be joyful and learn to be joyful, you're going to have to have purpose. Purpose in living for Christ and being with Him for all of eternity. Let's, uh, let's bow and have a word of prayer and then we'll sing our last song.